Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Amen. When we come to Acts chapter number 7, as you know, we talked a little bit out of this passage, preached a little bit out of this passage last Sunday morning. I told you that it's one of my favorite passages in all of the Scripture. And I believe there's so many things that we can learn uh, as we look at uh, Acts 7, 54 through 60, and we consider uh, the life of Stephen here in these verses. And if, if you were here with us last Sunday morning, you may remember that we began to talk about uh, an aspect of Stephen's life that we find in verse number 60, where the Bible said that in the moment of Stephen being stoned, the Bible said that Stephen kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And the Bible says, and when he had said this, he fell asleep. That is, uh, that is a, a phrase often used in the scripture for the death of a Christian. The Bible tells us that for a Christian that uh, the sting of death has been removed and so therefore it's no wonder that the Bible here for this blessed child of God his uh, physical death his demise physically at the hands of these uh, wicked Jews uh, that the Bible says that his death is compared to simply falling asleep literally and I know this is probably you've probably heard this before but in Stephen's life they literally rocked him to sleep, the Bible says. They stoned him, and he died, and he went to sleep in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, though, in verse number 60, the Bible said that as the stones were being hurled at him, that Stephen was not knocked down by the stones, although his person was down, he kneeled down, the Bible says. And I believe that's very interesting for us to note in these days, because there are many things in life uh, that the world, the flesh, and the devil will throw at the child of God, and it will cause us to uh, be at the point of feeling like we are about to be knocked down by the uh, situations of our life. But God here says that Stephen was not knocked down, but he kneeled down. And I believe if Stephen can do it, you and I can as well. Here in verse number 60, I, I think about this phrase, and he kneeled down, and I uh, thought about how uh, Stephen here, uh, what brought him to this place of kneeling down rather than being knocked down, it was not the stones. We already saw that because kneeled down uh, gives the idea of the exercise of the will. Stephen had to choose to kneel down. There's no choice involved in being knocked down. It's something that happens just upon the uh, possibly here of the inertia of the stones being hurled at him could have knocked him down against his will, but kneeling down is a choice of the will. And 
done to so if it wasn't the stones that brought Stephen to his knees when he kneeled down then what was it that brought Stephen to his knees I'd submit to you and we did last Sunday morning that it was the events of Stephen's life that brought him to his knees just like for us when we get to that place it's normally uh, it won't be stones or at least I hope it's not it may not even be physical persecution it may be down the road but we as Americans have not dealt with that yet but what we have dealt with already and every person under the sound of my voice this morning already knows what it is to have the affairs of life to cause you to be brought to your knees and that's what I've been preaching on since last Sunday morning when life brings you to your knees. We saw in Stephen's case and we'll pick up here this morning that number one it was the path of Stephen's life that brought him to his knees. Last Sunday morning we talked about that in that path of life we saw that the preaching in his life brought Stephen to his knees. Verse 54 said and when they heard these things when they heard the preaching of Stephen he was brought to his knees. Amen. If you think about the response to the preaching Stephen preached the word of God and he served God faithfully and God for some reason allowed his faithful service to be the catalyst that brought him to his knees the path of life and he inserted service for the Lord in his path of life and God still allowed him to be brought to his knees number two last week we saw not only preaching but purity brought Stephen to his knees the Bible says in uh, verse number in verse number 55 that uh, he being full of the Holy Ghost uh, he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus uh, standing on the right hand of God and despite the fact that he was full of the Holy Ghost he was still brought to his knees we talked about how being full of the Holy Ghost means you must be emptied of uh, sinful wickedness in your life anything that is not of the Holy Ghost Stephen lived a pure life he served the Lord he preached for God and he lived a holy life and God still allowed him to be brought to his knees and I believe that there's probably some people in here this morning that you're serving the Lord you're doing your best to live a clean life you're doing your best to honor the Lord and to try to be a holy child of God not not involved in, in sin not doing as we preached on Wednesday night uh, standing and sitting and walking in the counsel of the ungodly you're not doing those things you're not living in the ungodliness of the world you're trying to you're trying to live for God you're trying to surround yourself with believers but yet your life still seems at times to bring you to your knees let me give you a third thing this morning that may happen on the path of one's life as it did in Stephen's life that brought him to his knees number three not only preaching brought him to his knees and purity brought him to his knees but number three we'll pick up here this morning I would submit to your heart this that people brought Stephen to his knees you say preacher that's very obvious well it's also very obvious in the day and the hour which we live in probably the number one thing that causes us to feel like the bottom has been taken out uh, from underneath us our knees have been cut up uh, cut out from underneath us and we're on our knees in life is because of something that someone else did or said to us that caused us to feel this way 
as much as a Christian can uh, emulate the Lord Jesus in their love for people, uh, people will still bring you to this place if you're not careful. By the way, you can, be, you can serve God, you can live holy, and for some reason people are still gunning for you. You can love them, you can minister to them, and at all the same time while you're pouring out and pouring out and pouring out of yourself just to show them the love of Christ, still something in them causes them to come at you in a negative way, and you're faced with asking yourself, why is this happening to me? Why is my life at this place because of people that I'm pouring myself into or out of for? Let me tell you this this morning. I'm not trying to uh, have a pity party this morning, but I've spent my entire life pouring out and in. From the time I was an eight-year-old boy, I made it my life's goal to pour out of myself uh, spiritual things, to be a blessing to those that I would preach to, to those that I would minister to. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I have poured out more than has been poured in. It makes you more thankful when there are others who do take time to pour into you. That's one of the reasons why it's beneficial for pastors to make sure we have preachers in, to make sure we attend revivals and have revivals. It's beneficial for the church to meet the needs of the church, but also there's someone else that needs to hear somebody else preach sometimes, and that's me. You know why? Because I'll preach three times a week, 52 weeks a year uh, on average if I didn't have anybody coming in. You know what I'd be doing? Pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And there comes a time something has to be poured in. Amen. And I, and I study my Bible. I read my Bible and the Holy Ghost pours it in. But every once in a while I need to be able to enjoy what you enjoy. And I'll say this again, I'm not complaining. God's put me in this. It's all I've ever wanted to do, Brother Kyle's pastor of church, be in the ministry, all I've ever wanted. You know that feeling because God's called you to preach. All you would rather you'd rather preach than eat. And I mean that. If I if you all if you offered me a four course meal or an opportunity to go somewhere and preach, I'd choose preaching every time, Brother Caldwell, you know what I mean. Amen. That's exactly you get the food later. Usually if you preach, they'll feed you. So it works out on the back end, I guess. But my life, I've spent my life pouring out. And too many times, and if you serve the by the way, that's not just supposed to be a preacher's life. It's supposed to be the life of a Christian. It's not God's will for everybody that comes around you to pour into you. My question to you this morning is how much are you pouring into others? That's good. Amen. If you're going to serve the, by the way, Jesus didn't have a whole lot of people in his life give him very much at all. But did that deter him from pouring himself into others? Absolutely not. 33 and a half years of his life was pouring out for others. And you know what they did? They hung him on a cross. You know what happened to the ones he poured into the most? They forsook him and fled. Probably the number one disciple that Jesus poured more into than anybody else denied him. Three times said, I don't even know the man. If they'll do that to Jesus, you better believe there's a world out there that'll do that to us. 
And I, and again, I'm not complaining, but I have met plenty of Christians in the churches that I've pastored and the churches that I've preached in that at times have done that to this preacher. I no doubt have done that to that preacher. It's not always fun and games being a Christian and serving the Lord. More times than not, you'll feel like your life has caused you to be on your knees. All of the ebb and flow of church ministry is not, uh, it's not the preacher's fault or the church's fault. Those, thing, those things happen for a reason. Right. There are days we will be on a mountaintop spiritually as a church, and it'll seem like revival. It'll seem like camp meeting. It'll be shouting ground. But then there's going to be times we'll just have to get through. Yes, right. yes. Because everybody's not always going to feel the same. Your emotions do this, so our church services will do this, and our ministry to others at times will do this if we're not careful. God wants it to stay consistent, but people are people, and people have this, and as long as they have this flesh, that's going to happen. These individuals here in our text, though, were not saved. These were not Christians. Christians will do that to you, but you need to make sure that you are doing what you ought to do despite what others do to you. But these people here are not Christians. Can I give you probably, and that's probably been preached here before, I'm sure it has between Brother Caldwell preaching and then Brother Lewis preaching. I'm sure in all of the years that they've stood and preached in this church, you've heard somebody say this. But can I just, if, if, if it's the first time you've ever heard it, fine. If it's just most likely reiteration of something you've already heard, can I just remind you of something that, uh, that when, it, when, it comes to, when it comes to serving the Lord, when it comes to dealing with people, when it comes to, uh, it, when it comes to lost people in particular like we find in this text, you know what you'll realize, or you should realize and just know in your spirit, lost people are going to be lost people. There's no need for you to expect much out of lost people. Preacher, you don't know how they hurt me. They're acting like they are. They're acting based on what's in their heart. Wickedness. They don't have the Holy Ghost of God within. If you're saved by the grace of God, you have the Holy Ghost of God in you. And the Holy Ghost of God not only directs you to the truth and points you to the truth, but it will direct your life and let you know. Even And if you're saved, you've had this happen. You've let something slip out of your mouth. And you may not have even said uh, something that was wrong, but it may have been just an attitude that was wrong. And the Holy Ghost said, hold up, hoss. I don't know. I'm from Cowpens. That's how he talks to me. <laughs> Does he talk to y'all like that here in Lexington, I guess? <laughs> Amen. He'll say, hold up, hoss. That's not right. You need to go get that right with that person. I was listening to Brother Michael's new pastor. I hate to say that, but I did point him over there. Uh, but I was listening to Brother Josh Montgomery preach the other day. And he, in the middle of preaching... You probably remember this. In the middle of preaching, stopped in the middle of preaching and said that there was a lady in the church. I don't even know if I'd be honest enough to admit this in front of everybody, but he was. He said there was a lady in the church that came up to him and said something, and he had been just kind of just stressed out all day, and he said that he was just overly dismissive. Of something she said, something she asked. He answered the question, but he said, in my heart, 
it wasn't the right way to respond, especially to her. She wasn't trying to be a problem. He was just, you know how we get, we get over flustered by other things and over to overcome by other things and it causes us to already be on edge. Somebody comes up and you give them an attitude that they didn't deserve. He told the whole church not only that he had done that, he told the, the whole church who he had done it to and that he already had to get it right before church. That was how he started his message. There'll be times that'll happen to you. There's been times that that's happened in my life and I've had to go to somebody and say, you know what? That wasn't right. The Holy Ghost does that for us. But they don't have the Spirit of God in them. That's Christ in them, the hope of glory. You know who's directing their life? They are. There's no reason why they should think they did you wrong. Everybody, everything they've ever seen tells them that that's a, that is acceptable behavior. You look out in the world we're living in, it's, now it's becoming acceptable behavior to burn stuff and lash out and have fits. You know, it's acceptable behavior in this day for people to let their kids walk, just roll around on the floor and fuss and fight and all this stuff. And the sad thing is that the parents can't do much about that because if you, if, so, if their boss on their job tells them something, something they, they, they don't like, they may not get on the floor and mess up their good clothes, but that's the way they feel. Yes, sir. That's all they've ever seen. You're letting generation after generation after generation of lost people show the next generation of lost people how to act. And now we're living, as I've already mentioned and others have already mentioned, we're living in a day where you can say cuss words and people don't even know they're cussing. Because they don't realize that language is foul. You know why? Because our parents have stopped washing our kids' mouth out with soap. That's right. Every child on the planet should know what dial dish soap tastes like. Yes, right. Or whatever brand you use. You ought to know what a bar of soap crammed in your throat tastes like. I do. That's good, brother. And it'll cause you to never want to take a bite of one again. <laughs> And you might think twice before you say what you say. And if you're a teenager or you're a, a, a young adult or even an older adult and you say that word, that taste ought to come back to your mind and let you know that's foul language. Because mama chose, showed me in the Bible that we are not to let corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. And it's a Bible thing. But they don't have what we have. Don't expect lost people to treat you right when they don't even know how to treat each other. They don't understand what you have. They don't understand why you do what you do. They don't under understand why you take time and read your Bible. They don't understand why you're here today. It is foolishness to them. They don't understand it. They drive by this church and think we're all a bunch of nuts for taking our Sunday, which most of you probably very well may be, the only day you get off and you'll take several hours of it and you'll spend it in a building with a bunch of other crazy people worshiping a God that they don't even know anything about. Here we find lost people acting like lost people and these people were used uh, to bring Stephen to his knees. Now I'm going to say something this morning as well that may mess all of our theology up. The fact that this happened did not, did not miss the sovereignty of God. There are things that God makes happen 
that He works into happening, that He causes to happen. And there are some things that God allows to happen. I've been asked that question this year about the coronavirus. Did God send that or did God allow that? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I'll say this. He either sent it or he allowed it. But either way, it was in his plan for this year. There's things that he makes happen. There's things that he allows to happen. And here in Stephen's life, I don't think God put it in these people's heart uh, to hate him so much and to want to hurt him so much that they would kill him because murder's not from God. That's right. Amen. The Bible says that the devil is the one that that comes from. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. The, what happened to Stephen here, it has the fingerprints of Satan all over it. But God allowed it to happen. And I'll tell you by the time we're done in this study why I believe God allowed it to happen. But God allowed people to bring Stephen to his knees. And God in His sovereign plan may allow people to do that to you because there's a bigger plan that He wants to accomplish through it. He may be training you. There have been people in my life that have, that have brought me to a place to where I would say, I don't understand why this is happening to me. And you know what? I'm better today because of it. God taught me lessons in those moments that I have applied later on. And those lessons that I've learned in my life that has been used in this church to help many of you. To give advice to many of you. To give sound, biblical, and also personal counsel. When you're going through things and you say, Preacher, I need some help. God's already helped me that I can help you. That's 2 Corinthians 1 all over again. God does that. It's part of His plan. He teaches us things in tribulation, that we, in times of tribulation and pain, uh, that we may in turn go and share that with others and they can get the help that they need. Here, God is using, uh, the, is using uh, uh, Stephen here uh, to teach uh, lessons and to show this congregation, or this crowd of people, uh, this crowd of lost people, truly what it was to look at somebody that had the touch of God and was full of God and had the anointing of God on their life. You know what caused them to hate him more than anything? The words that he preached, yes. But if you go back in the last part of chapter number 6, it said that while he spoke to them, while he was in their presence, said they looked at his face as it had been the face of an angel. The anointing of God was on him. And if you truly live this life and you have God on you and you have God working in you and through you, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Jesus said that the world was going to hate us because it hated him first. Amen. The Bible said, if it says that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And probably one of the uh, most persecuting uh, arenas uh, that you'll find persecution is in the realm of people persecuting you. People brought Stephen to his knees. Notice verse 54, for the proof of this, the Bible says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. 
These they and these uh, and they are those words indicate that there are people outside and around Stephen that are putting these events to happen. Can I say this? That Stephen was brought to his knees by people even though the they in this text, they were the ones that Stephen cared for. They were the ones that Stephen loved enough to give them God's message. Can I say this morning that preaching hard on sin to the ones who are living in sin uh, and the sin that you are preaching about is an act of love, but it is also an act that is hard for the preacher that God has chosen to preach that very direct message. There may be some folks in here, and I've got, I've got several things that I plan to preach on just to, just to I, I've told you in days gone by, uh, that the things that you do not preach against and the things that you will not stand for are the things that will invade your church. There's some things that I'm planning on preaching on in the days ahead just to make sure that they don't ever find a home here at Beacon Baptist Church. And in, the, in preaching on those things, there may be people in this congregation who are engaged in those things, and if I know you are, which I don't at this point, but if I knew that you are, it would be hard for me to preach it, but it'd be hard for you to hear it. I mean, the, the founding pastor of our church preached here for 29 years, and I could ask him, he's sitting right here, but I'm sure in 29 years you preached on things that you knew people in this church were living in. You preached against their sin. And he may have heard through the grapevine that so-and-so is doing this, and God just so nudged his heart, you preach on that on Sunday. I've told, I've told you before, a lot of preachers say, well, if you know that they're in it, then you should stay away from it so you're not, uh, you're not uh, beating on them or you're not piling up on them. No, I'm trying to help them. If I know that you're engaged in sin and that sin's going to destroy your walk with God, what kind of pastor would I be? What kind of leader would I be that says I love you but lets you go on living in something that'll destroy your life without somebody to tell you not only what I have to say about it, but more than that, what God has to say about it and let you find help from Him. Stephen here is preaching on what they're dealing with, what they're, what they're uh, absorbed in, and primarily what they were absorbed in is unbelief and rebellion in the Lord Jesus Christ who God had sent to be their Messiah that they could be saved. They're rebelling against it. Hey, I told you last week about how his preaching was hard. Verse 51, he said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hard in ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. This is a problem that has been, taken, has been taking place for a long time. Now they're at a generation that is several generations down the road from when the sin became a problem, and it has not truly been dealt with by these people yet. I'll say this, Stephen wasn't the only one that preached these things, but he was the last one that preached these things to them in this moment. The things that he preached against and the things that he's preached against down through the years, I'm going to come behind and continue to preach against them until we all get it right with God and stay right with God. Amen.
The more we hear preaching on sin, it's not supposed to be a problem. It's not supposed to pull us away from church. It's not supposed to pull us away from the Bible. It's not to make you hate those that preach it to you or have issues with those that share it with you. It is to, it, it, it is to help you come to a re, get a reminder of where you are and what you need to do to where you can get it right. That's all Stephen was doing out of a heart of love telling them what they needed to hear and even though as an act of love uh, they did not hear the preaching and they, re they rejected and rebelled against it and killed the one that was loving them enough to tell them the truth. Stephen was doing all that he could to help these people, to call them back to God, to keep them out of hell, to restore the glory of their nation, to prevent their children from going down the same path of destruction that they had went down and that their parents had went down. Stephen was not old enough to have helped the grandparents. But he can preach to the parents, and in preaching to the parents, try to save the grandchildren. Friend, we need to realize, and this isn't in my notes, but I want, I, want to, I want to remind us of this. We need to realize that everything we do as a Christian, everything we do as a child of God, whatever you do, you are affecting generations down the road. You're not, when you preach, Kyle, you listen to me. When you preach, Brother Lewis, Brother Caldwell, don't know what I can tell you, but y'all, I believe all y'all agree with this. Y'all been preaching longer than I've been alive, most of you. <laughs> or at least about as long as I've been alive. No, you have been preaching longer than I've been alive. That's exactly right. You've been at the jail longer than I've been alive. When you preach to this congregation, you're not only affecting, and your message is not go, only going out to this congregation. You are going into their grandchildren, into their grandchildren's children. You are investing in generations down the road. And, and also, not just that, but every life that their life may touch. We don't realize small churches are not actually small churches. We may have a small group of people in this building, but there's no such thing as a small ministry. Because it goes out. The arms of this ministry are going out literally all over the world and down into the lives of folks that don't even exist yet. There's going to be days that these children... I mean, I'm talking about people Riley's age. I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, some of these young boys' age. There's going to be a day where y'all are going to get married. Y'all are going to find some young man, some young lady, and y'all are going to get married. And you're going to have children. And what you're listening to today, I may not even be alive, but I'll be preaching to your children. Yes, sir. Indirectly. That's right. That's right. It's an awesome responsibility to be a Christian. Yes. To try to live for God, to share the truth. Because the, the, when the Bible talks about those Old Testament saints that he be, thing about Abel in particular, he being dead yet speaketh, all of our lives will bear the same epitaph. He or she being dead yet speaketh. There's people who I've never met that have invested in my life.
There's preachers that I've never heard that have invested in my life because they, as, they, as the Bible says about David, they served God in their own generation. They fell on sleep and in serving God in their generation reached their hand down into generations behind them that reached me. Stephen's doing more here than we realize that he's doing. Stephen preached one message in his entire ministry. I've preached more message than that to you this week. But God put it in black and white ink so you and I could be influenced by the life of a man that did not let people stop him. How foolish would it be for us to let something as insignificant as a bad statement, a cross word, an angry attitude, stop us from serving the only one that really matters. The only one that's never done us wrong. The only one that's never said a cross word to us. The one that is the only one truly that has a right and a spiritual leg to stand on to be able to accuse us of anything. Everybody else says something, says something negative toward you. You can say something back and be right in doing so because we can all blame each other. But the only one that's blameless does not point fingers at me for my sin. He offers to help me. He offers to forgive me. And I believe we ought to be willing to do that to each other. And I, I'm, getting, I'm getting messed up on my whole outline by saying this. But look, if you look down further in the text in verse number 60, you notice what Stephen says? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When you deal with people, especially when you deal with sinners, they may do you wrong. Let that be your attitude. Lord, they don't have a clue what they're doing. Lay not this sin to their charge. You know why Stephen was able to say that there? Because Stephen had heard of somebody else that had been done wrong, That's right. had been persecuted, had been hurt, had been physically abused and killed, just like Stephen is here. In that moment where life brought Stephen to his knees because of people, he entered into a very small group of people. And the one that was the chief example in that moment, the one who had been hurt, the one who had been physically abused, the one who had been killed by people was the very one that he was preaching to them of. And as he preached to them, the Lord, you listen to me, the Lord allowed him to live in the footsteps and in the marks of the Lord Jesus. He allowed Stephen to understand, understand what it felt like to preach the truth and to love and to pour into uh, those that he preached to only in turn for them not to receive your words for them not to make you a popular minister but for them to kill you by force Jesus knew that and God is allowing Stephen here to have an honor that nobody else except for a small group of people have ever been able to have. And Christian and Stephen is the very first Christian in the church age to enter into that blessed fellowship. Paul put it this way. He said that I may know him. In the power of his resurrection. If we put a period there, every one of us would shout and say amen. But Peter, uh, excuse me, Paul also said this, that I may know him not only in the power of his resurrection, but in the fellowship of his sufferings.
Stephen's entered into a fellowship that Paul said he'd love to enter into, the fellowship of his sufferings. And when you enter into the fellowship of his sufferings, it doesn't cause you to be hard if you let God work in your heart. When you enter in the fellowship of his sufferings, and when people bring you to your knees, that's exactly what the Lord is allowing you to have a taste of, although sometimes we so, so willingly forget that. When, when was the last time somebody hurt you and said, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to just taste a little bit of what happened to you? Here, Stephen's being given a full measure, and he says, Lord, lay not to this, this sin to their charge, because he had a great example of one that said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Are you going to emulate Christ when people hurt you, or are you going to emulate the flesh and the wickedness of your heart? Are you going to let Christ rule? child of God, like Stephen did here, when the path of life and the path of life brings into it people that are going to hurt you and people that are going to persecute you and do you wrong, are you going to allow uh, the Spirit of God to work in you to the point to where you can be a witness to others? That's what Stephen's doing here. He's being a witness to others. This morning, I feel like I've preached 41 minutes according to my time. I feel like in those 40 minutes I've given us probably all that we'll be able to chew on for this morning. I could get into the next point and I've already touched on it a little bit, but I believe I want to deal with it a little bit further. And I, don't want, I don't want to miss out on that because I get, a, I get ahead of God. I believe the Lord spoke to us this morning. You're going to be around people everywhere you go. I mean, you're going to go in the privacy of your own home, and guess what? You're still going to be around people, unless you live by yourself. And if you live by yourself, you're going to walk out the door of your house, and immediately, you know what you're going to be surrounded by? People. I've heard people jokingly say, I'm not going to name any names, but some of them that I've heard this from are in this room, that have said that one of the most blessed things about coronavirus and quarantining is the fact that people keep their distance. <laughs> you hadn't had to smell bad breath. They either stay back or they have a mask on. It helps. It lets you know if you need to check up on it because you put that mask on, you know. But everybody's kept their distance. But can I say this? No matter how distant you are, those interpersonal relationships, whether they be two feet, six feet, however distant they may be, you better learn how to deal with people. Yes, sir. One of the greatest things that the Lord taught us was how to love people, how to deal with people, even those that do us wrong. None of us have an excuse to do, to do anybody in a way that's unchristlike, because Jesus never did. They hung him on a cross. They beat him to the point where you couldn't even tell he was human. Then they hung him on a cross. They mocked him. They spit on him. They beat him. And his response was, Father, forgive them. Not, God, make them, uh, make them ask me for forgiveness, and then I might consider forgiving them. He said, Father, you know why he could say, Father, forgive them? 
because he had already forgiven them. He didn't have to ask God to help him forgive them. He'd already forgiven them. Now he just needed God to forgive them of their sin because they don't have a clue what they're doing. They know not what they do. Lost people don't have a clue what they're doing, and you don't need to blame them when they do you wrong. And I'll say this, as biblically illiterate as most believers are today that are truly saved, as biblically illiterate as most Christians are, most of them don't have a clue what they're doing either. And one thing I've learned about many Christians is, from pastoring and being around folks, from, from I've, I've been around Christians since I was eight years old. I've been around our crowd since I was 14. In and out of my life, I've been, I've been deep in this since I was 14 years old. I've met a few people. I've met all kinds of people. I've preached to all kinds of people. I've counseled all kinds of people. I've had all kinds of people tell me and try to prove to me how spiritual they are. I know Christians don't know as much as we'd like to say. We don't know how to treat people. You know why? Because that Bible tells us what God wants us to know about how we ought to treat everybody around us. If you don't spend time in that, you'll never know. And one thing I've also learned about Christians in my years is too many Christians, while they may not read that book, making the Holy Ghost of God work overtime to try to point them and direct them the way they need to live, you know what too many times we do? Just brush it off. There will be a few times you'll find out as a Christian if you do that enough, it may not be as strong next time. It may not bother you as much next time. And I think a lot of people in our churches have done that enough to where they're being convicted just barely more than lost people are. No wonder why we're, our relationships are so messed up. Let's let God deal in our hearts today. I know, including this preacher, everybody in this room needed to hear what God said to us this morning. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, hey.